the guys from Ping, they've kind of shown me how much the equipment matters. I just love that I can hit any shot I kind of want. We're going to be able to tell some fun stories about what goes on here to help golfers play better golf. Welcome back to the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. I'm Shane Bake, and that is Marty Jertson. We are in the Ping truck, the tour truck. Corey Connors is here, by the way, Marty. Yeah. You playing, see him? Yeah. And uh, you're, having a, you're having a fantastic year, very consistent, and we're excited to uh, deep dive into a few topics. Before we get into your golf game, I was told before we got going that you have an amazing golf room. Can we expand a little bit on this golf room? Because I, I didn't nobody I didn't get any details. I don't know if there's like a simulator in there. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, uh, my wife and I are both from a small town, Listwell, Ontario, Canada. So we built a house there. Um, you know, we've been living it this summer and uh, was able to design the house from scratch. And uh, of course, tried to fit in uh, ample space to put a nice golf room. So um, yeah, I've got a. Uh, simulator, uh, uh, Foresight, uh, GC Hawk, and um, pretty cool, you know, fun to play games, you know, can practice, you know, familiar with the Foresight, you know, data, and, um, you know, it's good to check in on things or good to be able to check in on things while at home. I've also got a putt view putting green, so it projects lines and can set up drills, and it's, uh, it's a really cool tool that, uh, you know, I've I've loved just messing around with and uh, it's it's as much fun as it is work, but I think you can, um, you know, learn a lot from it or take a lot from it in, in just some short practice sessions. So it's it's been pretty fun to have the ability to keep the game sharp. Uh, the weather's great in Canada throughout the summer, but I've found myself, you know, get, getting dirty in the, the golf room and my... Uh, uh, almost two-year-old daughter Reese. Uh, every morning, she's uh, saying "dada balls, dada ball." So she's she's, <laughs> she's, into she's it. right in there. Yeah, she's likes teeing up the balls, and she's got a little putter knocking them around the putting green, and it's uh, it's pretty fun to share that with her too. But it's uh, it's a cool space and something that uh, you know I'm happy I fit into the design. It's, it's turned out great. I need your parental advice on this because my four-year-old son just zero interest in golf. He did ask yesterday for his putter. We got him one of the pink putters and he asks so the red one because my daughter got the yellow one he says is this the red one dada but no interest how how did this happen yeah i think just organically i think okay. um yeah she really hasn't you know she's still really really young but um you know just she's she's daddy's girl so she wants to be with dad when whenever we're home and uh if, if dad's putting or chipping or hitting balls she's uh she's right in there doesn't want to miss miss out so um yeah it's it's cool i mean i you know would love for her to play golf. Definitely. I think it's an amazing game, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's just happened organically and she seems into it. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Corey, I think, uh, I mean, one of the fun things about watching you and the rest of the Canadian contingent this year is just how strong it feels like Canadian golf is, you know, Nick Taylor winning, you know, that event and the way that he did was unbelievable. Uh, tell us a little bit just about like the culture of growing up playing golf in Canada and what other sports did you play and, and, and things of that nature? Yeah, it, it's been really fun to be a Canadian on the PGA Tour right now. The Canadian golf is, you know, significantly on the rise, and it's just great to be a part of it. Um, we're all motivating each other. We're all really close friends and all supporting each other. So, yeah, watching Nick win the RBC Canadian Open was unbelievable. It's been so long since a Canadian had won our national championship. And, you know, Matt Hughes had, had a win this season. Adam Svensson had a win. Um, Adam Hadwin had a great year. Um, you know, a bunch of other you know, Canadians out here and more, uh, coming. So it's exciting, you know, to be a part of that, but growing up in Canada, um, I think Canadians are crazy about all sports and golf's no different. Um, so many people play golf. It's a really popular sport. Unfortunately, where I grew up, 
the golf season's only about six months, so um, you know you can't enjoy it all year round. But for those six months, the the people are definitely wearing it out, and um, it, yeah, just love getting outside. And growing up, you know, I'd play golf six months. I'd get a year's worth of golf in in those six months. Definitely, I lived at the golf course, worked there, and um, you know, basically all my childhood. Remember, just just beating up the the local Listowel Golf Club. Um, played pretty much every sport in high school. I was an avid hockey player as well, starting when I was like four years old until uh, the end of high school. So that uh, was another big passion of mine and a big hockey fan, follow the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is pretty, uh, pretty standard for people <laughs> from Ontario, Canada. Uh, but throughout high school, I uh, played badminton, volleyball, really liked those sports, played on the basketball team for a few years, um, played some baseball as a kid. Just, yeah, love, love sports, love, you know, competing and, and hanging out with friends and growing up in a small town you know a lot of the people I played sports with were you know the same in, in every sport so we, we had a lot of fun together and we were all really close friends so that was cool when did golf emerge is like okay I'm gonna spe- I'm gonna specialize in golf I mean you played everything you know and I'm also curious about uh, just the transfer of skills from hockey to golf it seems like so many uh, hockey players turn in or just naturally good golfers yeah, I think there was a moment when I was uh, 14 years old where you know, I could have stepped up my level of hockey um, and sort of decreased the amount of golf. But I, you know, kind of chose golf. Saw you know possible future with that, and um, so kind of took a step back with the hockey, and um, you know, just went back to my local town to to play. F- for a local team instead of traveling, uh, as much as I, I could have possibly. And yeah, just put a little more focus onto my golf game then definitely. As far as the hockey and golf translation, I think, you know, the motion of shooting a hockey puck, the slap shot, there's a lot of mechanics that are pretty similar, um, to the golf swing, the way your body moves. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's funny. A lot, of, a lot of hockey players are pretty good golfers and can hit it a long way. So they all hit those hard hooks too. Yeah. Just like a <laughs> booming hook. It's the, yeah, the, the hand motion's a little bit different because you're kind of flipping your, your hands are separated right. on a hockey stick and you're kind of flipping your hands over a little bit on some shots using your, your right hand a little more than you would want to, uh, ideally on a golf swing. But, um, yeah, a lot of the hockey players I've played with really powerful guys and they, yeah. they smoke it. Corey, can you give us like your handicap, what you're good and bad at, at uh, basketball and also hockey? Like, were you like a two handicap in, in hockey? Like how good were you? I was yeah, basketball. I wasn't particularly great. I think I just used my athleticism to, to hide my weaknesses. Like I was, a shooter wasn't a particularly great shooter. I was, okay. I was a, you know, a guard Okay, it would kind of bring the ball up, but not a, not a shooter. I, uh, yeah, more of a playmaker. It was gotcha. kind of similar in hockey as well. I, you know, would be just as satisfied getting a nice assist as scoring a goal so but um yeah basketball i'm probably a, a 10 handicap not nothing nothing special but could could get by um but hockey definitely i would say i was a scratch and okay. um you know could have definitely couldn't have played in the nhl but you know could have moved along in hockey and and been you know, at some higher levels. We've talked about the boom of Canadian golf. I'm assuming Mike Weir was a big part of this kind of growing up. When you have a short season, six months of golf being available, and then obviously you've got to focus on other things or you've got to go inside in practice. How do you convince your parents? How do you convince coaches and your friends? This is the sport I'm going to focus on because I mean, it almost might be like living in a landlocked area and wanting to sail, you know, it's like, there's not a whole bunch of availability for it. Yeah. 
I think I was lucky throughout the summer having great access to a facility. You know, that was really nice. Had 27 holes, the Listable Golf Club, and a nice range. And, um, you know, was able to find space on the golf course. You know, wasn't afraid to go play by myself and, you know, make games and drop a ball at 100 yards every hole and, you know, see if I could be three, four, five under par. Um, I think, you know, my parents were really supportive in whatever I wanted to do. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was basically on me if whatever, whatever I wanted, they were going to support. So, um, you know, I put a lot of time into honing my craft on the golf course and I think they saw that. So they were, they were definitely really supportive of that. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed playing the other sports as well. And, and to be honest, throughout the winter time, I, I really didn't play a whole lot of golf. I think that changed, um, towards the end of high school, uh, with the Canadian national development team, um, was been part of the national, was part of the national team, uh, when I was 16 years old and, uh, throughout the winter months, we would travel to training camps and, you know, be able to, you know, try and stay as sharp as possible. And then, um, yeah, that, that led into to going to college at Kent State on, on a golf scholarship. And again, yeah, parents were supportive and whatever I wanted to do. So Corey, at Kent State, you studied actuary math. So this is like business risk assessment and things of that nature, right? So, um, what, t- what tell us the story of how why you chose to to study math, and then uh, do you use any any of those skills either in looking at your stats or planning tournament schedules or anything of that nature? Yeah, it certainly doesn't sound like a very uh, exhilarating major to uh, to anyone else, but I. Uh, I think I definitely enjoyed enjoyed that. I actually started in a science program. I, I worked in a pharmacy uh, through high school and had possible ap- aspirations as a backup plan to maybe get into that. So I started in a science program in biochemistry and the the lab time that was required for the biology and chemistry courses was not ideal uh, You're for, out on that. for practicing. <laughs> I, I was okay with it. My coach was like, we, we got to stop. We got to yeah. stop the, missing every practice <laughs> every afternoon. I'm sitting in a this science the wrong lab. Major. So, um, so that was my uh, first year and a half, I think. And uh, at that point I was like, well, I'm open to switching what, uh, you know, I want to, you know, make sure I can still focus on golf as much as possible. So what, what are my other options? And, you know, I was passionate about mathematics as well and, and finance and this actuarial math kind of fit the bill and um, didn't really have to, you know, change too much about the direction I was going. So, you know, I was taking a lot of the prerequisites for for both um, regardless. And yeah, it was uh, it was fun. There was a small class. I think there was like 10 or 12 of us we pretty much had all the classes together, the junior and senior years. And, you yeah, we became close friends and we'd, we'd study together. And um, yeah, it was yeah, good times. Missing class is difficult. I think the golfers miss a lot of class because we travel for you know three, four, five days for tournaments, and um, you're you're out of class those days. So classmates and and professors were quite supportive and helping me uh, you know make up work and um, you know answering answering questions or helping me get through it. One of the great compliments that a professional golfer could get is being called a flusher. Now you're a guy that is being called a flusher basically since you started to hit golf balls. What does it mean when other pros say this guy's a flusher? And who are some people that you feel like you look at and go, "My goodness, you should see this guy hit a golf ball." Yeah, it's it's obviously a huge compliment, and um, you know something that I feel like I was kind of blessed with, and sort of always hit the ball well. Um, I got some good guidance uh, from a young age, and um, yeah, it feels pretty cool when you know other pros recognize th- that skill. As obviously, there's a ton of world class players out here and and world-class talent um 
I love watching Rory hit a ball. That's just, yeah, majestic. And, you know, I, I don't really see myself in the same category necessarily of, of flusher as, as a guy like him, but, um, yeah, like playing with, with Colin Morikawa as well. Really, really solid. It, it's, it's kind of cool where he predominantly hits fades and I predominantly hit draws. So we kind of <laughs> are both curving it back to the target different ways. Um, and both, both do hit it, hit it pretty nice. So uh, when you say you're not in the same class as a Rory or a Colin, when you kind of think about that in your brain, do you force yourself to look at stats, to look at where you landed on a page at the end of the tournament to actually go kind of against maybe what you think as you're watching a Rory McIlroy up close going, Oh my goodness, I can't do what he does. Then you look at, the stat sheet and it says you can do what he does. Yeah. Yeah. I do a little bit. I, you know, it's definitely gratifying to, to see some of the stats. I think more so kind of at the end of the year uh, on a week to week basis, I kind of realize, you know, if I, if I hit it well or, or what I was doing well or, or what I was doing poorly for that matter. Um, but kind of at the end of the year, you know, and you kind of get the cumulative work, you know, tallied up and can, can see, you know, how, how, my skills were, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool being uh, near the top of, of the ball striking categories. Corey, you work with Derek Ingram as one of our ping ambassadors. What, what type of things, how long have you worked with him? And what type of things do you work on? Like if you're, if you're, uh, iron play driving gets a little bit off, what are your tendencies? What do you, what do you guys work on? Yeah, I've, I've worked with Derek Ingram for a long time and, you know, owe him a lot of credit to my success. He's a unbelievable guy, unbelievable coach and incredibly, uh, knowledgeable in the game of golf and, and many other areas, but um, worked together since I was on the national team, probably 15 years now. And re remembering back some of the years when I was still part of the national uh, development program, I think he and I spent more days together, you know, on the road, you know, working on my game than he spent at home with his wife. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, owe his wife a lot of credit too for, for putting up with him, but he's uh, just an awesome guy. And um, what we've been working on really hasn't changed much over the years. Um, a lot of it just stems from, you know, my, my setup position. There's a few little keys that I like to feel on, on the, the takeaway of my swing and kind of just get that, that good rhythm started going in the right direction. And, um, you know, continuing to work on using my body more, um, you know, as I start playing more tournaments in a row, I feel like you know, my, my hands take over a little bit and become a little less, uh, consistent. So just really try and simplify things as much as possible. But, um, the biggest key for me, it just stems from, from the setup, you know, my setup position, you know, alignment, which is, you know, quite basic, but, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's something that's very important. If I'm set up well, there's a pretty good chance uh, I'm, I'm going to hit it well. You've played some really consistent major championship golf over the last few years. You've played well at Augusta. You've played well at the PGA Championship a couple of times the last three years. Had a good finish at the Open a couple of years ago. What has to go into a good week at a major championship? And as you kind of look at the way you've played in those majors, what's that next step or what's that next thing that you need to do to go from the top 10 and the top eight finish to top two, top three, really in contention on a Sunday? Yeah, it's... The, the majors, I would say I'm getting more comfortable in definitely. They, they've all kind of been a little bit of a learning experience for me. And, you know, week in and week out on the PGA Tour, we're playing at the same courses. And, you know, apart from the Masters, the you know, other major championship venues change. So there's a bit of a learning curve to try and figure out those venues. Um, you know, this uh, past spring at the PGA Championship, I had played at Oak Hill before. You know, didn't remember it great, but like had some familiarity, which I think helped, you know, got off to a really good start there and kind of got myself in the mix, you know, going into to the final round. But the uh, 
yeah, the other majors, they're so fun to be at a major championship. It's just got a special feeling to it. And, um, you know, it requires everything to be clicking, you know, to, to get yourself near the top of the leaderboard. There's so many talented players and, you know, the venues are all really challenging and, you know, different ways, but, um, yeah, it's, everything's got to be clicking. And, you know, I've tried to kind of build my schedule to where I, you know, feel like I'm going to be, you know, as much rested, but also, you know, playing, playing well. Um, what does that look like for you specifically? Cause everybody likes to change their schedule differently. I mean, you know, Phil used to play the week before Tiger would always take it off. What's kind of the best recipe for Corey Connors going into major weeks? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think playing the week before is helpful cause you can definitely see where your game's at, but I, I just don't want to play a major championship. That's, you know, my sort of fourth week in a row because, right. yeah. you know, physically, mentally, you're going to be a, a little bit burnt out. So, uh, there's been a few major championships where, you know, I've, had the week off before um i enjoy playing the scottish open before the open championship um I've had some good success at the valero texas open before augusta so probably uh probably continue continue doing doing that um i think you know some of the some of the u.s open venues you know it, it's fallen right after the rbc canadian open the last few years which is a, another you know major and right in my mind must play um so you know, the U.S. Open venues, I think, are, are very challenging and, um, you know, hadn't re- hadn't played any of the venues that uh, I've played a U.S. Open at before. So, again, trying to learn the golf course and, and figure out what it's going to take, you know, to be successful. Um, I think things important, but those those weeks can can get can get long with the preparation, um, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, a lot of energy management sounds like. Corey, you won the Valero Texas Open in 19 and 23. What is it, kind of uh, to juxtapose that a little bit, that one course uh, that you think has suited your game well, the, you know, the conditions, the turf, the wind, the breeze, the Bermuda? I mean, what is it that uh, has really uh, synced up with your game? Yeah, I think ever since the first time I played there, I, I really love the golf course. I think the week overall is is awesome. The hotels right on site, the JW Marriott. So the you know logistically the week is really easy. Yeah, um, those great facilities there, and I think the golf course is really demanding off the tee and into the greens, which you know plays into some strengths of my game, hitting it well off the tee and. I'm um, hitting good iron shots. I think a lot of the tee shots set up pretty nicely for a draw, some of the trickier tee shots. So you know, I'm pretty comfortable turning the ball right to left off the tee. And it's definitely, you know, important there and, and kind of, yeah, fits into my game nicely. And uh, around the greens is, is pretty treacherous there as well. But, you know, if you're able to hit solid iron shots to the right parts of the green, you can give yourself some good luck. So it's just a place I felt really comfortable on. And, um, you know, winning again this year, I definitely drew on my experience in 19, um, you know, coming down the stretch and, uh, made me feel a lot more comfortable. So just a place I feel comfortable and I'm hoping to add more places. I feel <laughs> comfortable like that, uh, in the future. Corey, you mentioned the Marriott's close. I mean, these are little things I, I don't know if like golf fans realize like the benefits of being close to a golf course or liking the hotel or liking a restaurant close to the, like look close to a facility golf's four or five hours you practice for an hour or two maybe on the front or the back end and you have a lot of downtime what's a Corey connor's week in terms of downtime when you're playing in a tournament yeah i've been fortunate uh, my wife and and daughter reese have traveled with me quite a lot so it's really fun having them there and um you know the first few 
you know, days of the week, usually take it pretty easy on Monday. I'll, I'll play nine or 18 on Tuesday, uh, with a good practice session. Tuesday's usually, you know, one of my fuller days, I guess, or at the, at the course, most of the day, um, checking out the golf course, you know, trying to fine tune all the skills, um, pro-am Wednesday, uh, get in a little practice, usually play the pro-ams in the morning. So a little practice, uh, you know, have some lunch and then go spend some time with, with the girls, uh, in the afternoon. It's, it's really fun having my daughter and, and wife, uh, on the road, just, I don't know, a little normalcy, uh, when do, you're, do when you you're no- traveling. So. Do you notice when they're not on the road, if you have a bad round or if you don't play well, do you notice that frustration like lingering versus yeah. when they are on the road, think, you can go out and go, I got to go see the family. Like they don't care really what I shot. Yeah. My daughter definitely doesn't care what I shot. She's, <laughs> she's pumped up to see dad dad's home. every, every, every time. So, uh, but yeah, I think I'm definitely when I'm by myself, definitely more consumed by golf and just thinking about my round or thinking about the next day, you know, way more uh, than I would be, um, when they're around and I can, you know, shut my mind off and just have fun coloring and reading books. <laughs> Corey, you've played uh, a number of different or a number of different PLD putters. Uh, tell tell uh, us a little bit about how that process has gone for you in terms of things we've customized for you in the putter, some things that might be super important to you that we were able to do with those PLDs and, and which one you're playing now. Is it the time? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, all through you know, my time at Kent State was a answer putter user, um, like the blade feel and sort of the flow uh, of the stroke with that. Um, used a blade putter when I first got uh, on tour, um, switched to a sort of a mid mallet PLD, um, just trying to get a little bit more consistency um, and had success with that, you know, try to went back to a blade again and you know had some success there again fell into a funk and tried out the the mallet putter the the time that i'm using now um i switched away from that uh for probably about a year to uh like the oslo model um and sort of messed around with a couple different uh hosel types there the um i guess the answer to sort of hosel that Mm -hmm. i'm most comfortable with um, you know, was able to customize the, the Oslo with the answer three, uh, neck, which is kind of like a little, little bit of a slant, uh, neck. Uh, so having that, you know, capability was really cool. Um, ultimately went back to the, to the time, uh, again, it's, uh, it served me well over the last, you know, the, the season really, uh, I felt like I've been a little bit more consistent still you know, trying to work hard on that area of my game and get the ball in the hole a little better. But, um, you know, my, my bad weeks are, aren't as bad and, and starting to have some, some pretty good weeks that are, you know, keeping me in tournaments or getting me up near the top of the leaderboard. So the customization of the PLD is, is really cool. And, you know, changing the finish, you know, got the black finish on, on my putter now. Just think, you know, all the design features of the putters, it just frames the ball really nicely and, you know, something that uh, it's cool to be able to mess around with and, and, you know, easy to find something you like. Marty, you know what this sounds like? 
Sounds like somebody needs more PLDs in the exactly. You know, he's just a trying to fill up the golf <laughs> and add a few different models. I'm just trying there. to get some gold ones and try and get the biggest. Try and get you, the, to, you got to try and get the biggest biggest putter model available. So <laughs> there, there are some wild ones in the vault I've seen. You know, there are a few Lee Westwood models in there. That oh are, yeah, they're, they're well, yeah, Lee, yeah. Lee's got quite a mix in there. Very <laughs> very, very fun mix. Um, Corey, when Canadian sports are on TV and you're playing golf. Do you think about what's going on in the back of your mind? Do you have like a caddy check the score? Um, are you trying not to think about that? Like if it's a big, big like Stanley Cup finals or, you know, Olympic match, like uh, is that going on in the back of your brain or can you kind of shove that out? Yeah, I can shut it out a little bit. It's always, you know, I'm always kind of thinking about it. Um, you know, if there's something really big happening, someone in the crowd's probably yelling at me to okay, keep me updated. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not super crazy about that. Fortunately, the, you know, big Toronto Maple Leafs fan, probably my favorite. You know, professional sports team, big hockey fan in general, but uh, their games are typically in the evening, so I'm You'll off the golf done. course. And You'll be done working. I uh, I can tune in uh, on my laptop or iPad uh, in the hotel room, but um, yeah, you know, see a lot of the uh, English guys kind of checking it, checking up, or a little more curious <laughs> on on some of the soccer or football scores. They, but yeah, I'm I'm not. Uh, not crazy about that. Yeah, the NFL game goes on like at like noon. If you got like the one PM Eastern game and your team's playing and you're kind of in the hunt on a Sunday, it's like I might check the score after nine, just see what we're doing. But yeah, hockey uh, in the evening. You mentioned RBC Canadian Open major. I mean, you said that when you go to that event, what's it like in terms of being a Canadian player playing it, getting himself in contention, and the fans' reaction? Does it feel as big to you as a President's Cup as as a major championship does? Yeah, it feels it feels massive. You know. My uh, mug is plastered all over billboards and, <laughs> you know, things around the clubhouse. So it's kind of weird, but um, it, it feels huge. The Canadians love sports. The Canadians love, you know, they're Canadian golfers. And uh, it's a pretty special feeling teeing it up in that event. And, um, you know, played pretty well the last couple of years. I hadn't had much success there, but it's been really fun to get in the mix. And you just feel so much support from all the fans. It's it's an unbelievable feeling and and something that you know i look forward to you know continuing to have for for many years uh, into the future well it, it's just so interesting like i mean i think as as golfers you know we are conditioned to think every golfer wants to win the masters and the us open and the open championship and i remember when when max homo won riv and he said this is the event i wanted to win the most of every golf tournament out there i mean do you feel like that with the canadian open i mean does it feel like even as, as much that would come with the major championship victory, if you were able to snag one of those, I mean, would that be the career highlight for you? It, it would definitely be. I, I'd be lying if I said a major championship wouldn't be wouldn't be ahead of the RBC Canadian Open for me. You know, it's just they're historic they're the majors, championships. Right? They're the majors, mm -hmm. but you know, it's a very very close runner up uh, would be winning the RBC Canadian Open, and you know, I'm definitely inspired by uh, watching Nick Taylor win this year, and um, you know, looking forward to getting getting some more cracks at it but it it's a really special event and yeah it, it's it's way up there for sure and you didn't get tackled i didn't get tackled you avoided. No. You, you, my you, you, uh you i couldn't swerved. i couldn't find my bottle of champagne fortunately or i may have, i may have gotten tackled you might have got but a chest injury i also give hadman a hard time i was like yeah he looked at both of us and said ah, i'm tackling this guy so uh, i'll yeah. take the younger guy out. <laughs> the, yeah. the smaller guy he's older Corey, you had the honor of playing in the olympics tell us tell us a little bit about what that was like you know yeah it's funny, like I didn't dream of being an Olympian when I was a kid yeah. because golf wasn't in the Olympics. Exactly. But, you know, ever since I think the Olympics in, in Rio, um, it was kind of on my radar and it was a huge goal. But, wow, it'd be really cool. I can represent Canada 
you know, at the Olympics and, um, you know, being an Olympian is, is kind of a pretty cool thing to have, uh, um, on your resume. And it was a incredible honor, you know, to make that team. And, uh, the experience was really, really cool. I played in, in Tokyo and in, in 2021 and still, uh, pretty locked down with, with, uh, restrictions. Yeah. So we weren't, weren't able to go and watch other events. You know, every time the Olympics was on, when I was a kid, I was always tuned in, whether it was summer or winter Olympics, watching, you know, all the sports and yeah. cheering on the Canadians. Um, so would have been cool to get to experience some of those other events and, you know, cheer on some of the other fellow Canadians. But, um, just getting introduced, you know, putting on the, the Canada shirt, uh, was pretty cool feeling and incredible honor. And, you know, still hopefully have uh, a few more uh, in my future and, uh, you know, going to keep working hard to, to try and make uh, the Canadian Olympic team for Paris next year. There is something about the Olympics, especially in golf, that I really appreciate. And that is the fact that week in and week out, we talk about the winner in golf and that's it. And you can have a good week and finish fourth or eighth or 12th even and have a great week. I hit the ball great. Maybe I didn't make as many putts. I love the fact that there's a celebration for that top three position and we celebrate it even in a sport that doesn't typically celebrate it. Do you wish there was a little more of that in golf where second and third was appreciated maybe a little bit more than it is considering there's 140 guys teeing it up every week? Yeah. I mean, I certainly appreciate, you know, the weeks, you know, even if I don't win, you know, having a, a solid finish, um, you know, get yourself in the, the top 10, you know, you feel pretty good about yourself after the week. The Olympics is, is unique in that aspect where, you know, Gold, silver, bronze, top right. three get get recognized. Um, you know, I'm I'm fine with golf being the way it is. I I can fly <laughs> under the radar and, and be happy with uh, with some solid weeks, I guess. But um, yeah, that that aspect of the Olympics is pretty cool. And you know, you're you know, you're not you're obviously fighting for the, for the gold medal, playing for the gold medal. But you know, there's a couple consolation prizes that are pretty good as well. Yeah, I mean that playoff for the bronze. I mean, I remember we were calling the action, and it was like it felt like you were calling the final championship putt, right? And this was for third place and you had these big names in it and you obviously had countrymen involved. I mean, it was really, really cool. And again, I, I like we were talking about your major record. I mean, you play three straight years at the Masters. You finish top 10 three straight years, yet it seems like the only kind of conversation point is who wins, not the guy that's played as, you know, arguably as consistent in golf as anybody at Augusta National the last three years. Yeah, yeah. That, I remember watching that playoff as well. It was, was really cool. And yeah, it's, it's a big deal. You know, it's just something unique and something different. The, the Olympics is yeah, pretty special. Um, but yeah, like my record at uh, Augusta, some top 10 finishes, you know, definitely felt good and, you know, was was proud of that. But yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't really talked about much because <laughs> I don't have a green jacket. That's just, right. Just uh, black and blue ones in the closet at home. I mean, listen, you can start to think though. I mean, I mean, I don't know if Poutine has been involved in a in a Masters before. Maybe Mike, we're at it somewhere in there, but at least throw it maybe in the conversation, right? Yeah, we would have to have to put the probably tuck probably, the napkin in. Probably mix that in. Yeah, it's it can get messy, but. It's Corey, how much how much do you think drawing the golf balls helped you at Augusta? Like, is it is it a significant? I mean, I've been there, I've walked around it, I haven't been back on the either new or old tee on thirteen or some of those holes, you know, even two tee. Uh, how much of an advantage is it for you? Because so many of the other players here hit the cuts out there nowadays, right-handed golfers. Yeah, I really think that the right to left ball flight, you know, fits in at Augusta National really, really well. There's a few tee shots that are are kind of tricky that I find difficult. The first, I think everybody finds the first difficult. Yeah. It's not very <laughs> wide, but, but hitting a draw off of that tee, it's 
I don't quite hit it far enough that I can get myself into trouble. So there's still room out there. The eighth um, is another one where it's kind of tricky to fit a draw into that fairway. Again, the fairway is pretty wide and I've been able to hit plenty of good shots there. But so many of the tee shots, I think, really shape up nicely for a draw. Um, even the you know seventh is a really straight hole, but I've you know you can fit a draw in there yeah. nicely. Um, the 13th stands out definitely and even 14 now being able to hit it right to left is great but 13 hitting it right to left trying to sneak it around the corner uh, a little bit is it's definitely the the ideal shape yeah i mean there's a reason there's been so much lefty success there over the the last few years and it's because if you hit that big booming cut i mean we saw obviously bubba hit that shot in 13 in 2014 that everybody thought was going to be lost and he had wedge in i mean if you can move it in that direction you can have some success with that golf course. yeah i definitely think so and you know even you know some of the iron shots as well you know being hitting it right to left i've I found comfort in in that on on a number of the hole locations and a number of the holes as well Corey, obviously you're wearing president's cup gear when the president's cups ends now for you when do you start thinking about the next time you could play or potentially make the team yeah it's uh, pretty the quick next president's cup you know has been looking forward to you know ever since you know leaving charlotte really yeah um in my home country in canada uh you know, Mike Weir being the captain, uh, someone I idolized and really looked up to as a young Canadian golfer. Um, it's it's going to be massive there and you know, definitely going to be working really, really hard to try and earn my spot on that team. It's, you know, uh, it feels special to, you know, be a part of that group and um, it'll feel extra special to be on home soil with, with Mike as a captain. And, you know, hopefully myself and, and some other Canadians can play their way on that team as well. Cause we've, we've all been trending in the right direction uh, over this past season. So hopefully that can continue and uh, we'll definitely have uh, some, some hometown support there. Uh, I think in, in Montreal. So um, definitely, you know, big goal of mine, you know, coming in, you know, to next season and, yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be pretty amazing to to get to be a part of that team. Are, are you good about setting goals and it not feeling intimidating? I mean, something like this, where obviously there's not very many players that are going to make a Presidents Cup team. When you write that down, or you know, obviously the the Presidents Cup is going to Canada, and it'd be a big deal to be on that team. Does that add weight on your shoulders, or is that something you can handle pretty well? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely good about you know writing down some goals and. Um, I've been able to handle that that pretty well. I think it's just you know each week each week is a huge week, honestly. You know, out here on the PGA Tour, so really trying to take care of business week in and week out. And you know, if you do that consistently enough for you know a long enough time, you know the the other big goals are, are going to fall into place and take care of themselves. So, um, yeah, it's definitely definitely beyond my my goals for next year making the Presidents Cup team. But you know, I'll, I'll I think I'm pretty good at you know taking it week by week and you know, working hard on the game on the, the off weeks and making sure I'm ready to go every week. And, you know, those, those cumulative results will speak for themselves. Corey, Canadians are chill. I'd say for the most part, very chill people, easy going, fun to hang out with. Which American professional golfer has the most Canadian in them, in your opinion? Is there somebody oh. that stands out that you, when you look at it, you go, you could you could pass as a Canadian. You got you kind of got that I'm, in you. I'm not really sure. We kind of have a, a Canadian fraternity out here. Where we spend a lot of time <laughs> together. Not that I'm opposed to any any Americans getting in there, but no no one really comes comes to mind off the top of my head. I'm um, I just a lot, a lot of guys are really nice. That's out what here. I was going to say. The it's relaxed like, nature so many, of professional golf. So many guys is... are really really nice. Um, it, yeah, well, I welcome any of them as a Canadian. 
Why aren't there any lefties now in the Canadian? This is a great point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and are you? Do you do anything left-handed? You, I, I write right? left-handed. You do, but then okay. I do everything else right-handed. Wow. Why so. aren't there any lefties? That's it's a good it's question. Like, so wait, I you, don't know. you write lefties, so you drag across the ink. I do. My hand gets my you hand drag gets pretty dirty. When you should have gone righty with it. Well, I'm the same. It's funny. I when you I was, write lefty too. My uh, I do my, everything lefty. I write righty. It's so weird. Smart. That is weird. Yeah. My dad just flipped me around when I was a kid. Said I was doing it backwards. So I actually could play play golf when I was a junior golfer with my friends. I'd play lefty once in a while and could, could be, game? beat up on them. Not too bad. I think I haven't really. That was probably stopped when I was like fourteen or fifteen. But a um, couple couple nine hole games and. High thirties or forty. Oh so. wow, you're like VJ level. Yeah. Could come in handy for a shot. You sometime. never know. Although not the way you drive I, it, though. Yeah. That's right. He doesn't. He doesn't have any spots where he'd have to fly around. I think over the last few years, I've tried to pull that at one time on like a greenside shot and just totally butchered it. And was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna stick to a righty with yeah. the golf. I'll right lefty. I'll play golf righty. Well, Corey, we really appreciate the time. Good luck the rest of the year. Excited to see you on that President's Cup team, and we appreciate you taking some time. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to uh, join you. That was this awesome, Corey. Is the Ping Proving Grounds podcast.